Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio with the vision of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Cajun, and welcome to Geekologist Radio, where we take you into our gaming systems and ride the hype train into the future. Let's introduce our crew for tonight's gaming cast. First up, we have Mr. Damian Nash. What's going on, everybody? Cajun, it is great to have you. Yeah, ready to talk about stuff that I'm shooting in the face. All right, Brandon. See? How you doing? All right. What's going on? Doing good. All right. How's your mom and them? Mom, mom and them's all right. They're working hard. Everybody doing all right. They're doing good, good, good over here. Nah, all right, then. They're getting on. They get, they get that game on. <laughs> now, a uh, game that's kind of taking a lot of our time, and apparently a lot of our time, but not a lot of the streamer's time, because there's a lot of playing around it, is the uh, first one in our Game On segment is uh, Destiny 2. And uh, Iron Banner's in, so uh, anybody had a chance to jump into Iron Banner yet? Damien? I was playing Iron Banner as soon as it launched, and aside, the only complaint I got is the first two days, I kept getting the same thing yeah. constantly. Uh, now, it seems to be fixed. Um, I've, I've gotten six, I think six packages so far that I've unlocked. Um, it's... Uh, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I I miss I do miss the at least the six pe- the six on six. I miss right. it. I'll, I'll agree with that because especially now Iron Banner is control right now. One thing I'm finding playing just control matches is that you're having to if you're going to control two zones, which is the preferred method uh, for map control, and because the game picks spawns uh, for you, is to have two people on each zone and. It seems a little easier defending when you're doing sixes with three per zone on how you could spread out. So it's more, it's a little easier to defend with this Destiny Two being team shooting if you more if you have four people in between the two zones you're covering, calling out where they're going. And uh, some bigger maps you can actually just do a roaming band, where it has like long sight lines. You can do a roaming band, and that's pretty fun. But with tight maps, you really just need two zones with the covering in between there because it's really hard to split up two, and uh, and be able to to dominate, uh, to win matches because if they, the other team notices that they can just bum rush with four and just completely, uh, wipe you. So it's four in the middle and then turning whenever you see things coming, Damien. I'm finding it to be that the, with the game mode and a lot of the maps that it's very Titan centric. And, uh, like if you have one warlock that is, that puts up his healing ward or puts up his other ward that allows you to, to have the have the like little buddy that shoots along with you, yeah. Either one of those works real well, but if you have a couple, if you have two or three titans, some of these hold it these zones, you can throw up a shield, and literally put it on lockdown. You know that if they're going to get through, they're going to have to run through that, and then you put a, you just punch them, they're going to die, because of the the uh, the damage that it inf- that it inflicts and allows you to uh, has a multiplier on that when they run through your shield. You see, I've been having better luck with everything but Titan, uh, just because, yeah, really? well, the shield's good for that capturing that zone, but then once it once it goes mm-hmm. down, then if you don't have your defenses and team there, I've been having my best luck with uh, Night Stalker Hunter, just because... I've seen a lot of Night Stalker Hunters. I've gone up against a yeah. lot, and uh, the only thing that's helped me against those has been has been on maps where I had long sight lines. Right. Any, any close close up against them... If I'm if I'm going up against the night night stalker hunter, it's it's lights out. Yeah, for you me. can go invis so quick. The kit's so strong. The the smoke and grenade is the the wombo combo is not as strong as it once was. Uh, you can't kill with with those two together pretty much uh, because you can 
step out of smoke a little easier, it doesn't stun as much. Uh, the super is really bad, completely bad. Like there's nothing good about this super at all. Uh, it takes forever to recognize targets, but you only get maybe one a game, so it doesn't matter. I'm running Night Stalker for the kit, and that's what I'm running it for, the kit only. Uh, when I forget the super, if I happen to get a tether off where I can get a couple of kills in a match, bonus. But that's it. Uh, most I'm using it for the kit. That that the the invis dodge is so strong for close quarters. I run uh, close weapons. That breaks. Yeah. Yeah. When when you got that invis dodge, because a lot of people don't realize how much aim assist is on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, with the guns, because I mean th- that's the other thing. Uh, long sight lanes. What teams are doing that have been practicing is they'll know you're aiming down at them, and so one will run out, and then they'll call when their when their health is down. And this is from watching streamers mm-hmm. as well um, that are doing it. They'll call that their health's down, and they'll try to duck off to the side. And at the same time, you'll have another person that will run out, and that will pull the, the your your auto aim will pull to the other person. And then you have to auto, you have to correct it, and that little that little gap sometimes can be all it needs for that other team to be able to get that last bolt in you mm-hmm. to take you down. So there's a lot of of yeah. uh, it's a, it's a, bit, a game of chess. It's a lot of crisscross and and calling things out. If you can communicate, if your team's communicating, you almost always will win, unless you're going up against another team that's communicating. And at that time, it is a game of skill versus right, skill. Right, exactly. If your team's communicating and doing their jobs, it's 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 a I've played matches on both sides. I've played matches with people that were communicating well, we were dominating, and matches where I'm just like, they're like, are y'all still there? Have I, uh, have I, have you lost communication with me? And like, no, we can hear you. Then why aren't you saying anything? Because like, we're constantly being flanked. People are moving all over the place. They're literally taking C right now, and there's two of y'all over there, and I'm just finding out about it right now. Uh, I'm not, I didn't say it in those words or that harshly. Y'all played with me before. I, I could definitely could have. Uh, but <laughs> but it's stuff like that. It's the general is yeah, real. exactly. And it's it, it's if you were calling out before, I understand. Like, hey, my family's around, like, my kids are around. I can't be doing a lot of callouts right now. Hey, I understand that. We'll just change roles around. You might be playing a different role. Um, but when it's just like complete silence from the other three players, it's really difficult to win matches because it's all about teamwork and team shooting. And when everybody's calling stuff out. Oh man, like we had one where three of us were positive almost every match and one guy was negative almost every match, but we were winning almost all of them because we we're all talking to each other. And that one guy who was mm-hmm. just struggling with just destiny in general, uh, uh, he was like a friend of a friend, not even in the uprising, but he, he was doing his, his job of at least calling out, like, hey, there's guys over here by, and he'd figure it out B or call out whatever on the screen. And so we'd be able to correct or he'd be able to at least help with the shots. And so, man, we were just running through people with that. Nice. Uh, is there been any, like, weapon, exotic combos, anything like that that you've you've done that as a hunter that you would recommend to people playing in, you know, Iron Banner or utilizing this in any of the play, the like the – if they're playing PvP? Yes. So um... – your longer range weapons, like your long, your scouts and like a vision swing or a long range pulse or something like that, uh, I haven't been running those. I've been running stuff where I can do aerial combat and kind of range shots on from above. So I've been doing uh, submachine gun auto. So I've been running the Trials Adjudicator with Uriel's, Uriel's Gift as a hunter and the Raid Shotgun. Legend of Acarus fully unlocked is a beast in PvP. 
That thing has stupid range. It shoots through enemies. I've gotten at least two double kills where with one shotgun shot, where just both the people were standing right behind each other, and you shoot, and the bullets do full penetration with full damage. And so you, uh, that's that's more of a luck thing because they're shooting you, so you have to shoot fast. But if they haven't to line up. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. But when it's fully unlocked, you get two shells. Uh, which people running as teams, that really helps out because if it's a one-shot shotgun, you'd shoot one guy and just get murdered. But that two-shot helps you get that second guy down. And even if there's three, you can normally, if you're, if he's shocked that they're both dead or whatever, and I'm a hunter, I can normally duck and roll away from the third guy if there's one there because I know where he's at and I can maybe get away to get a reload in. And a reload's pretty quick too. So sometimes I can duck, get away while he's trying to find me, have that next shell in, and then just take the guy out too. See, I'm kind of running a very similar uh, setup with my Titan. Um, I'm doing auto rifle, and uh, I've been doing auto rifle submachine gun most of the time. And then I was running with the those exotic uh, Titan pants, which I can't think of the name because I just started using them. I've had them for a long time. The but they're the ones that auto load your submachine gun. And when it's stowed, so I can just flip, and then it automatically makes that gun, uh, your submachine gun, ready instantly when you, you pull to it. So... Uh, it, it made it's made for up close quarter combat has been awesome but then i switched out and i've been running two two auto rifles which i run with my origin story which i absolutely love and then the auto rifle that you're running the with as gift. well yep. um, yeah i think and so strong. between those two yeah between those two it, it's just been melting faces every now and then every now and then i get a stick uh, I, I get i get a little uh little uh, irk that I got a I got a scratch and I, I go and I grab the uh, my sweet business. <laughs> wow, God dang, that sounded really bad. That whole no 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 no. We, I get you. I pick it up. What you putting down there? Uh, but <laughs> I grab my sweet. That's but you know but you know Deej was even talking like that. So that was the thing. Go during the panel, Deej was like, "Yeah, I can't wait to grab my sweet business." So you know, it's uh, it, it, that that was just a play on words. So you know, he knew that people were going to say that. Yeah, stuff. speaking of Euro's gift and others uh, like it, I definitely think they're in the first nerf. We're going to see a huge nerf or just a complete deletion of high caliber rounds because right now there's a big delineation between weapons that have it and weapons that don't. Um, it knocks the sights enough and especially in some of these longer range combat ones that when you have weapons that have long range and high caliber rounds it's incredible the difference on how much you knock your opponent's sights and that's all you need you need knock just enough where you're going to finish be able to finish them off and they can't get all those shots on the head so i definitely see that coming the other thing i see not necessarily coming but what i see happening right now and one thing that's bothered me a lot in destiny 2 is the content creators bitching and bitching and bitching and bitching and bitching and it sounds like this. It, it's the, it, the dialogue that comes out for Destiny 2 right now is they say, in quote, don't get me wrong, I love Destiny 2, but specific bitching point, specific bitching point, and with nothing specific on what they love. And I'm finding a problem with that because uh, if you love the game, then say something you love about it. If you can't say something specifically you love about it, then you obviously don't. You just saying that so people will continue listening to your video or listening to your podcast. Um, and the reason I'm seeing it more from content creators is I think because they've burned through the major content in the game. They have every weapon, they've perfected the raid, uh, they can do prestige nightfalls, and they're, are they going flawless? They've done all the things they've wanted to do in the game, and 
that's they're needing content for their livelihood. And so there is a legit business concern there, but it's only a business concern in that circle. So that's why I think yeah. there's a lot of patting each other on the back saying, yeah, I agree with you, I agree with you. But for somebody like me, there's an article uh, Chris posted recently, and I forgot where it was, maybe Game Informer, but I forget exactly where it was listed at, uh, Vulture, maybe. Uh, but it was basically saying Destiny 2, the greatest thing about Destiny 2 is that it fits into your life. And I completely agree with that. I, I completely, yeah, because I mean, this is something that I was talking to, I was talking to Brandon a little bit earlier on the phone about, was that, is that for me, like I, I play almost, almost only multiplayer games. However, this time around with Destiny 2, like in Destiny 1, I, I you could hardly ever see me playing just, you know, doing anything by myself. I was always with clanmates, always with everything. A uh, little bit of my social anxiety has kicked in, uh, and I haven't been jumping in. Like, I'll see clanmates online. I'm like, I'm maybe if they send me an invite, but I'm not going to jump into the match with them. And I've noticed that, I, that I'm not... Like Destiny One, it felt like I always had to be on. Like I had, like I had to be on. If I had free time, I had to be in it. Destiny Two gives me the ability to breathe, and now, now I'm hoping that with a different schedule and stuff like that, I can actually start experiencing the social aspects of it. Because um, I haven't really had got a lot of that in the game, but it, it, but it did. The the changes that some people are complaining about. Some people are complaining. I mean, before they complained about the fact that it was such a grind, right? And now that they made it to where you can play the game and then you can get stuff accomplished and then you can log off and go spend time with your family, people are complaining that there's not enough of a grind. Right. And there's one of the things about the grind is that's one of the things Destiny or Bungie does well, but, but at the same time poorly. They listen to their fans. They listen to gamers. They listen to us too much and then make changes that was perfectly not perfectly fine but is in detriment to the gaming experience for some people um and because they maybe listen to their fans too much on one side and we'll, I, we'll see how all this uh plays out in the end and the other one i think with the social anxiety side i think one thing destiny 2 has that destiny 1 didn't is this is much more mechanics heavy because they listen to their fans and they say we don't want bullet sponge this bullet sponge that well, you need people who understand the encounters with like raids and nightfalls and strikes because you can't just this this three go knock out a nightfall. If you don't like mm -hmm. right now, even if we were all three oh five, if we didn't know what the nightfall was and what the modifiers were, we couldn't just go in and knock it out first try. We'd be lucky to get it done because that's this mechanics driven thing and i think that's causing some of the anxiety of people jumping in because like i don't know that i'm not going to jump in and do that because they might know it a little more than i do and i think that's some of the experience that people are because if i want to go in and knock out a nightfall in destiny one i could just say anybody come on if i want to knock it out here people who are experienced with it could help me do it but if they're not then okay we might be trying three four five times to get it done which depending on your time commitment you have for the game you may be able to do or you may not be able to do, Damien. That uh, like my so far in Destiny Two, my best night of uh, there, there's been two nights that have been like my best nights of gameplay. I think one was like my first night I got to play it. I got to play with with uh, Fouts and uh, his wife Double Tap Tiff. That that was awesome. And then the next one was actually when Fouts was I think out of town, and I stole his spot on the on your on the yeah. raid team and jumped in. <laughs> 
that night I I had a blast. Yep. Like that night I was like, this is what this is about. I like it. I'm happy. <laughs> what what's up, Faust? Huge shout out to the Chosen Toast or the Ham Sammies, depending on which week it is. <laughs> we change our raid team name all the time. <laughs> we, which is also the name our our raid team name. We we change it up depending on how I'm feeling and how <laughs> somebody else is feeling. Yeah. <laughs> that that is awesome, yeah. guys. You guys need you see, you know, that's something that that's saying something there too though, is that you know, what you got these groups and you have your inside your, your not your inside group, but you have like your raid teams mm-hmm. and your, your team names you guys come up with, things like that. That that's that's where Destiny shines again. And it excuse me. <laughs> that is where like stuff like when Deej says the end game is friendship. Mm-hmm. That, that that's, that's it what it is. There. And like last time we were in a raid, was, we basically didn't have to call anything out. Like we called out what was happening, but we didn't have to call out assignments. That was the first time I think a raid. Okay, who who's gonna run? Who's who's gonna do this? Who's gonna go inside? Who's gonna stay outside? We didn't have to do we, it. We already know. We have set people, and it just makes things a lot easier. Yep. But the other thing is, and one thing we did last week was uh, there was a clan mate, uh, dirty boy who hadn't run the raid, and then one of our uh, raid team members, Duke, his son, never ran the raid, and they say let's we're getting back together. We're gonna do. We need to get two extra people. We brought them in, and we cleared the first two raid encounters without a single wipe with two brand new people and these are two mechanics heavy things and i think that's where not necessarily we're getting to but i think the game's getting to that people are getting more comfortable with these encounters that you can get through them especially these were the two baths and dogs uh without wipes because you can explain the encounters people can it's not necessary carry but you can lead and people will be able to do enough damage or be able to help out more where it becomes more difficult is gauntlet because um, you definitely need everybody to be on point there and with Callus. But as long as you have three people doing good in the inside to, or the suck team, uh, because inside means it's basically both things. If you have those, if you have three, your good people there, then the rest of the people who are thrown can, all, basically all they're doing is killing stuff and listening and, and, and hopefully being able to execute the kill the scion phase. Um, I think you could, the, the raid I think it's going to be more carryable uh, for new people. Um, not as carry is such a bad word and a wrong word. It's going to be more uh, friendly to new people being brought in because it's not as as a raid team. We can't even get this done ourselves. Why are we bringing other people in? We can barely even like do this ourselves within like just one encounter in two hours. Now we can. Now we're more comfortable with it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody come in because we're all more comfortable in it. That's, so does this mean that your guys' raid team is going to start being able? Is going to start? Are you guys thinking about starting to run the uh, guided, guided raid? Uh, well, no, just like with clan mates. The, yeah. And, well, the problem with doing the guided games is you have to. Everybody that's running the guided game has to be in the same clan, and since Uprising is such We're a big clan, three clans. I get yeah. Our main raid team actually is in two of the clans, so if we do the run with our normal raid team, we actually get the engram for both of the clans. Out of okay. two out of the three clans. So I mean we in order to do the guided games, we'd have to either substitute two or three people out so that we can do that. Yeah. And the other thing guided games does, yeah, this helps random people in the community. Uh, it also helps with recruiting, but right now we're just so strong on the recruiting front. Like we we added people at crazy pace and then there's still people trickling in. Uh, looking for clans that it's just I still, like, I get messages in the middle of the night now and I try to sleep at night now so it's like I hear dings I'm like well, uh, uh, oh, oh <laughs> hey there's there's fuzzy bear and 
whatever yep. going through once again. Yeah, I try not to uh, to add people. Yeah, yeah. I, I said all. Uh, I turned off the Destiny uh, the ones as well. But yeah, that's uh, the Destiny notification things on my phone at least. But yeah, okay. that's one of the biggest things is that I'd rather bring current clanmates through the raid who haven't done it yet uh, than random people that I've never met uh, through through the raid. But and I think that was one of the big eye open things for me because the first times when we were trying to bring new people into the raid, uh, it was, uh, and this was after the first week, but this was there. You there's a there's a lot of mechanic stuff that just adds on to that time to the explaining process and then it makes the, the fights even tougher but now it's just like okay i think we have everything in a good spot now that it's just like all right this is the fight we can explain it a lot faster it's a lot easier for the other person to understand we know what weapons to tell them to use before we didn't know um and we know the routes in the map we know the patterns uh we know our setups and so we can like give people assignments now instead of it just being oh god I, I really don't know what to do here we did this differently last time we're doing it differently now which we're, we're still trying new stuff yeah so like with our raid team we have um we, we've been writing together since taking king and we ran it a bazillion times then challenge mode every week on all three characters every tuesday night it was our normal raid night now with you went this raid. On, you you played it. You did the raid three times. Yeah, in, in a night. night. Easy, every single week, for months. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we've been raiding together for a long time. Um, okay, yeah. Now at this point, our crew is so focused together, and that we can play together so well that we can all play each other's positions. So if we get somebody new coming into the raid that's never done it before. We can explain it to them. If they're having an issue doing the one job that they have assigned to them that we explain to them, we can switch them out to a different position and one of our other members can fill in and swap it up. That's yeah. Cool. And that that's in the first two weeks of the raid or even first three weeks of the raid, that was definitely not something because we're still figuring right. out ourselves. Right. And, but now that we've, we've become more comfortable with it, I think that's something that I think a lot of raid teams who have been knocking it out are going to be starting to open up more to. It's like, all right, I, I feel more comfortable actually being able to help people get through this because you don't want to uh, set an expectation of like, hey, I'm raiding. And then it's like, oh, carry me through. Like, uh, I don't even know if we can complete it in our normal team. Uh, let's try to get through one encounter here. But now it's like, okay, we can, we can get through this. We can do this now. Now, going kind of back back to the Iron Banner to finish up the Destiny 2 talk for this episode, do you guys think, because of how much they listen to, you know, Bungie's been listening to their fans, do you think that they will bring in back the six-player team matches, or are they going to just hold their ground and stay with four? They'll stay with four. They'll stay with four because they specifically said they wanted uh, maps designed for their uh, amount of players on the map. So this is a 4v4 map sizes. If they went with 6v6 or 8v8, we will see a specific batch of maps come out just for that. I, that's my strong belief. So like you're, you're thinking yeah. like, so so we're thinking if this happens, it'd be an extension. It would be in a DLC if we saw a uh, bigger, yes. Okay. I, I think it'd be too much work on the back end to introduce that many teams and then, or that many players to the PvP aspect of the game. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, they said that everything from here on out was going to be 4v4 for everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. Anybody got into some Star Wars Battlefront? I did. I played and... one match. Oh, what do you think of it? Meh. <laughs> so I started off. I started off watching uh, streamers playing it. And in fact, uh, that one of the streamers I was watching, he he gave us a shout out, threw it up because of a tweet that I was able to get out from our from uh, our podcast Twitter account. When I saw him, I, I saw something he did because like someone was like, "This isn't." So the, some of the, the purest complaints in the beta are that the droids don't just clamor about and walk in a row and they're cannon fodder and get blasted. Is that they can actually run and then they can dodge and stuff like that and they can do their little smart runs. AI. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. yeah. But the but the gameplay, um, it's it's beautiful. Um, I mean it's it, they even it's even prettier than what than the first, and it's fun. And for a Star Wars fan, like, the multiplayer experience is a blast. Bren? Now, I'm looking forward to the story mode, but honestly, the PvP did not do it for me. You, the PvP, you got to get, see, it plays much better when you're playing with people that are talking. If you're just jumping into a match and you're not playing with your friends, excuse me, it is going to take you a, a bit to get to like it because... It's a lot tougher just playing with randoms, but if you can get into a match with friends, or any or a team that's talking, it's all the difference. Like the game goes from being like the multiplayer aspect goes from being like a a six to damn near ten because communication and that game style because everything is everything is uh, so. The original game, or not the original, but last year's game, you can kind of lone gun. You can kind of lone wolf, you know, go out and and you did all right. This one is so built on team uh, team core uh, strength that if you don't play as a team, you're going to lose. And so you need that communication factor and stuff like that. Uh, I think, do I see they see that this is going to be a clan-based game? I, mean, I think that, yeah, you're going to want that clans are going to have a much, and then they don't even announce that they're going to do clans on the multiplayer side thing in-game, but uh, already organized teams are going to have a lot more fun playing this game together. I know that in the original, the first one that came out, I know Mitch and a bunch of other guys from Uprising, we got involved in it and we had a blast, did a lot. There's a lot of nights where we would get off Destiny and hop onto that and just have a lot of fun. It's going to do that, but yes, the storyline, the multiplayer experience, and seeing how good the vehicles play and everything has me so excited to play this storyline that's going to expand and tell kind of, uh, it's going to give us a little more information on how the First Order became a thing. And and it's going to, I mean, that, that, yeah, the single player campaign, I'm hand, hand, hands down, it's probably what I'm mostly excited for, but I, I am a multiplayer gamer, so I'm gonna be all about that. But the beta was very good. Awesome. And uh, moving quickly, I'm just gonna cover something really quick because I know it was already covered in a previous episode. But uh, while Destiny was down, I jumped into Cuphead, and uh, this is a very cool game. Like anything you see, many videos of it, it is as cool as you would think uh, a game like this would be. Super original, super awesome. Uh, but way tougher than I expected. I knew it was going to be tough, but way tougher than I expected. Like, it takes every ounce of gaming skill to beat 
uh, some of these bosses. And I got through three levels. Uh, then I made a wrong turn at Albuquerque, and I just got slammed into this one boss. But I didn't realize till later it was like the world boss that I could actually have fight already. I could just turn and started fighting that one. And yeah, that was really tough, and I was underprepared for it. Um, and I haven't gone back to actually do the, the correct way because I went on. I, really, I didn't find out till later. I was like, how how good I beat that boss? And I found a streamer video of like how to beat the bosses and he had each one and this one was like way down the line in the first world and it was right at the end i was like oh i must have turned the wrong way <laughs> oops for me so yeah uh, it's just to get back into it and uh play it in its normal progression where i could have maybe enough uh bonuses for it but uh yeah it's really cool a lot tougher than i expected but at the same time i think it's too tough to be thoroughly enjoyable whenever you beat a boss that's enjoyable but the Dark Souls level beating your head against the wall is not something I enjoy. I think it's fun. <laughs> Have either of you played co-op? No. No, I, I only play for like one period of Destiny. Destiny was in uh, maintenance mode and I really wanted to play a game and I downloaded it and I'm like, all right, Cuphead, let's, let's go. And that was the only time I got into it. Okay. All right, Ark. Yeah, so next up, I've been playing, if anybody listens to the podcast, they know that I'm a huge fan of survival-style games. PC, anything I can get get my hands on, I, I really like the ability to build a world, basically, and to be able to, uh, you know, live in it. Well, I've been playing a lot of the ones that have come to console, and this is primarily for console. Uh, if you're talking PC, there are so many out there that I haven't had a chance to get hands-on with. Uh, that this doesn't this doesn't go this like statement doesn't go for that the statement goes for console so on console you got games like Age of Conan which huge fan of the PC version uh, lately the patches that have just come on to console have basically broken it so I'm kind of angry <laughs> about that but out of all the all the games out there this holiday season, if you have someone that's getting, uh, let's say they're just moving up from a 360 to an Xbox, or maybe they're getting the Xbox One S or they're getting the Xbox One X, and you're looking wanting to get into them a survival game, Ark would be my recommendation to go with. The game has, honestly, the game's called Ark Survival Evolved, and it has evolved from early access to its launch point now, and it's a lot more of a friendlier game. You can actually go on vacation without really worrying about losing all your stuff. Yeah, you got to kind of pop in, make sure everything's fed, but you don't have to worry about damage being done to your animals if you're on a PvE server. So if you're out there looking for a survival game uh, this holiday season, you can pick it up physical copy or digital. And uh, they have a pack now. It's like 99 bucks because the game now is 65 regularly. Um, the $99 one, that gets you all the expansion stuff. And then it also gets you some kind of nifty skins that come along with it, with the expansion. Um, so there's, there's some reasons behind getting that. But it honestly is a game that if you were it's really, really into it, you could just play that game and you would feel satisfied with your purchase of an Xbox One X with the 4K graphic upgrade that's coming out. Nice. I I like everything about it except the survival aspect. <laughs> I like everything you say about the game, what I've seen about the game is just the, the, yeah. the survival aspect of it. it, it, it and and, and it, for that, for that though, you that is that's actually you jump in, you can create your own map and you can put on that's the thing is I always talk about the online aspect. 
you can actually create a map on it and you can do a randomly generated map type or you can go on one of the maps that they've already created and you can alter and modify it to your liking to make it basically on easy mode and then you could just build Jurassic Park and go around and explore your own Jurassic Park that you created. Hmm. So, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of different ways to play the game. Um, and make it, there's the option that's the not online version, or you can invite a couple friends into. That version is more like, I would say, a, more like a Minecraft kind of. Okay. Yeah. I like developers to make my maps for me. <laughs> Bungie, I, give, give me a bunch of lost sections to explore. All right. Thank you, Bungie. I'll explore them. Yeah, see, like, like in game games like Ubisoft would put out a lot of games like in their Far Cry series, uh, Far Cry Predator and all that stuff. I would literally spend, I, I used to build a lot of maps on those games, and my maps would get upvoted quite a bit because I would take, other people would make their map, throw it together real quick. I went as far into spray painting because they would give you the tools to paint the ground and everything. A map usually took me a month to make. And then I would put the map out and then watch people download and play it. And I'd play against them. They'd be like, hey, why? how do you know where all this stuff is? I'm like, I made it. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. Well, it's good to, that this game's getting the, the attention, the love, and the graphics upgrades it's going to need. And hopefully performance on console. Yeah, the, the performance has been getting a lot better. Uh, with the next major patch that comes out for Xbox One X, that's supposed to also be a major upgrade to the servers and stuff. So uh, it should be a lot more stable and remove the little bit of jitter that is in heavy scripted environments. Good, good. All right. Now we're done with uh, what we've been gaming on. Let's get what we're hype about in gaming. Hype train for gaming. So this time what we're doing is we're going to do a little bit because we there's a lot coming out for this holiday season, a lot of stuff, but I've been really wanting to talk with all the news and all the, the cons have been happening. The developers over at Rare have really been putting out a lot of information on Sea of Thieves. And you might remember that if you're a longtime listener, that we used to talk about Sea of Thieves a lot. Then we all got into the alpha and got slapped with NDAs. So we had to kind of get a little tight-lipped. And at PAX, I got the chance to like I got a chance to interview Joe Neat. And one thing that was mentioned in the interview that was kind of dropped was I asked about bigger ships, and then he turned around and, and kind of actually it was the first we were the first one of the first ones that he, amount, he announced on it was about the smaller ships and actually confirming them. Well, if you were at, attended the New York City Comic Con or you've seen their next uh, Inside Stories, you would know that they've shown footage of the little single single or two-person manned ships, and it looks glorious. Now, these ships are a lot faster. These ships are a lot faster than the standard ships, and but they only have a cannon on each side. They have one cannon on each side. In the video that they show, they actually show two of these, these ships kind of coming up and deciding to work together to take out one of the bigger ships, and the battle looks like something you would have seen off of Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's it's pretty dang cool. Uh, Cajun. So they're faster ships. One person can move the ship and operate the gun. What's the advantage of going into a four-man ship? Well, you can't operate. So you, 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 one person can drive it, but you have to run over. Oh, it's just a short distance. Run okay. over you to can't the cannon. So it's, better, it's still better to have two people. Cause, gotcha, uh, gotcha. You, you can still do that with the bigger ships as well. 
Yeah, you can. You just got to be um, really quick and know where you're running. Right, right. Now, another thing that they've shown in updates and stuff like that, in the that when people have been playing these games, they talked about is they also talked about storms and how storms are affecting are affecting uh, the the ships and stuff. Now, storms now really will affect you. Like, I mean, from the water coming on and and from being able to control your ship. Now. Uh, now, in theory, what my thing is, is that they have not spoken about how that's going to when these large ships are having a hard time keeping water. You know, they're having they're having to bilge out their, their water from below deck during these major storms and the ships are getting tossed around. They're hard to hard to steer. They have not talked about how that's going to affect these smaller ships because they talk about how the smaller ships are more stealthy because they're they, they sit lower in the water and you can actually like hide in behind islands and things like that they haven't spoken about what you know how that's going to be affected in a storm because to me that would make these things almost get capsized um other things that have been talked about, uh, what's actually was an interview with uh, that was done from New York City Comic Con with uh, uh, with the Crow's Nest, and uh, I've I played with a couple of the guys from over there. They're good friends of uh, of Mike Abstracticus, um, and they got to do an interview. And in the interview, they actually mentioned about the possibility, actually more talking about a large larger ship, possibly a ten. 10 player ship um, or or eight probably or around there eight would be I think it, when the numbers are going two then four I think that this larger ship would probably be eight player mm-hmm. ran ship that would have a multi-tier leveled guns and stuff like that um, but the main thing that they've been talking about is that they are trying to really push this game out to be something that people who have social anxieties they want this to be the go-to game for them they want people to be able to come into it and they're giving options so the single person ship and then maybe they want to like try having one other person jump on with them and then they also just uh not showed in their inside stories they showed the that they put in uh emotes and abilities like little little things you can talk you can toss up that you need you know ability to talk without without talking and uh that, that's kind of a big deal because they want this game to be for everybody and it's it's getting closer they just added in i think they added in third they just recently added in another thirty thousand, and then right before new york city comic-con they had another thirty thousand in so it's like sixty thousand more people that just got invites into the alpha and this actually upcoming weekend was the time that we're recording this podcast is a new alpha session is going to be an all weekend long thing. And every Saturday is a 24 hour gameplay session for, uh, for insiders. So they're getting closer. They're definitely getting closer. I'm still putting my, I'm still thinking that we're looking at a March release date for it. Um, and now we don't know with, that for sure, but that is, we don't know that we don't, we, yeah, we don't know that for sure. I'm thinking that it's a March release date. Um, just by just by the all the stuff that they keep coming out with the inside story stuff if you're if you're really interested in this game if you follow the inside story they are they are putting up interviews they're putting up stuff like crazy uh the game i mean they went kind of quiet for a while and you know and it kind of got to like well you know we'll see it when we see it and it's been great to see rare out communicating with their community and showing them the processes that they're going through and 
kind of building that hype, but it's more of a slow burn right now that they're building up for this thing that I think that when it finally launches, I honestly think that people are going to be getting something spectacular in their hands um, because of the love that the development team is putting into this thing. And uh, one thing on this game and just overall in general is that we were talking about earlier about how Destiny 2 fits into your life, and I think games like Sea of Thieves comes in uh we're coming in at a really good time uh because games like i don't want one game dominating my life like destiny one did i want to be able to experience other games that was a fun time to playing these other games that were in my back queue uh i do like having the one main game to go back to and knowing i'm always gonna have friends there but having these other games to be able to go to and not feel like i'm losing time or i'm being left behind in my main game or games is really good and so if all of these games sea of thieves destiny 2 anthem any of these other multiplayer games that we could see taking our time come out and we can get to say max level good gear do all of the content we want to do without having to just god i i want to play this other game but i have to get into this into i want to play sea of thieves but i have to get into destiny because i need all this more stuff to be able to keep playing the stuff i want to do you're already there after a month and so you can continue moving on and i like that aspect of it because that was my first concern to see of thieves but now that i see what destiny 2 is for me my life in the game i'm more excited about sea of thieves because i know i'll be able to make time for it yeah, and that's the thing is they're trying to make this something that for every level of player, um, they are they are. I mean, they that's the the interviews have been constantly stated that this is a game for the players. Oh, and then something else that just got announced, and this was in another interview that was from the New York City Comic Con, is you might remember I talked to the Dark Horse or Dark Horse Comics guys uh, a couple years ago at PAX. And they mentioned a little something about a, uh, I talked about a art book that was being, that was being worked on. Well, that got actually shown a little bit of uh, at New York City Comic Con, and what it is is it is actually the Sea of Thieves lore book. The Sea of Thieves, uh, they're they're putting a lot of a lot of lore into the world of it because it doesn't take place in Sea of Thieves does not take place. In our world, it's a believable fantasy realm that takes parts from our history and stuff and puts it in there. Because one one uh, person had asked them, one interview had asked them, if we're going to see things like, you know, in Pirates of the Caribbean, we saw the different, we didn't just see the Caribbean, we saw pirates from over, you know, like we saw like the... Uh, the Asian ships and things like that. And they, they actually have said that they will pull from a little bit of everything from other cultures. And eventually you'll see, it'll be like a myriad of cultures that'll be represented in Sea of Thieves, but nothing will, it won't be like, Oh, we're over in Japan over in we're in the, you know, we're over by, by this Island. It, it's not, it's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be its own universe that they're creating. And that was that was pretty cool to hear too. And just the idea that there's going to be a lore book out now. When they were asked when the lore book will release, it's a lore and art book. Uh, they were a little more tight-lipped on that. They did say that it'll probably be closer to the launch date of Sea of Thieves. Gotcha. But but all in all, I'm still 
extremely excited for this game. Um, I've been myself. I've been kind of getting around, you know, getting a team of streamers together that eventually when this game goes live, um, I want, I'm going to be trying to set up something. And uh, when we get closer to launch and announce launch date, I'll see if I can make this, uh, this something uh, more tangible that I can, uh, I can talk a little bit more about. All right. So now that we're, now that we're finishing up right here on our gaming hype train and gaming podcast a game one episode let's go ahead and sign off you can find us email podcast at geekologistradio.com i'll let damien do the twitter this time and you can find us on the web at geekologistradio.com or on our ninja pancake.com family and you can find me on twitter caucasian saint all one word on twitter damien where can we find you find me on twitter at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word, or manning the daytime Geekologist Radio Twitter account, uh, Geekologist Radio minus T for character restrictions, and yeah, we're getting out and getting information out when it goes live. It's actually kind of nice. And Brandon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at beefouts82. Also editing this lovely, lovely podcast. Excellent. Well, for all of us here at Geekologist Radio, it's been great talking to you. Hope it's been great listening to us. Y'all have a good one. Hey guys, my name is Alex Hirsch. This is Brandon. It's Colin. And Caleb. And we are the Geek Squatch Podcast. Where nostalgia finds a giant hairy beast and spits out a podcast about 80s and 90s nerd culture. Uh, we've, we've covered everything so far from X-Men the Animated Series to Chrono Trigger to After School Cartoons. We've done Hercules Legendary Journeys, Goosebumps. Could I have ordered that out of my Scholastic magazine in elementary school? I'm sure school? you could. Nice. Likely, I, although I doubt that in 2016 anyone could publish a book known as Bananas for Teenagers. Come for the nostalgia, stay for the trivia. What land found in a book is the home to Atreyu and Falcor the Luck Dragon? Fuck! Oh my <laughs> god. Check us out on the Ninja Pancake Network at ninjapancake.com. You'll find our shows also listed there. We're on iTunes. You can reach us with any questions, comments, or corrections at podcast at geeksquatch.com. So uh, go give us a listen, and thank you very much.